And that's the sound there of Mendy's penalty going into the back of the net. Welcome to For Fox 8. My name is Pete Selby. Welcome to the For Fox 8 podcast. By the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact. Make yourselves heard. What's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox 8. My name is Pete Selby and I'm standing alongside Mark Perkins at the King Power and we've just witnessed the penalty shootout, Mark. Um, well, we're in another quarterfinals. Nice and easy. And only Man City to play. Should be a walk in the park. Yeah, that easy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a very strange game, really. Nothing really happened for, say, an hour. And then they hit the bar. Uh, there was the VAR. There was Redmond going insane because it was not given. Chasing the fourth official down. There was all sorts at the other end of the VAR, possible penalty, but I don't think it was. It was end-to-end. -end. The last 20 minutes was very entertaining. Leicester with a throwback formation and lineup on the whistle at 90 minutes, reminiscent of the 2016 side, and then the penalty drama. It was, it was bizarre the way they played, especially the 4-4-2 to start with, because the first half was drab from both sides. You mentioned in the commentary, Redmond was the best player on part, and I thought Silva had a really good game. And then one player went off injured, uh, Target, who had a, a bit of concussion. We made a double substitution, brought Mendy on. Kind of changed the dynamics a little bit of the game. But like, as we said, bringing through, uh, El Brighton made some good attempts there. And then coming through to the penalties, there were some good penalties as well in that shootout. Oh, yeah, some good penalties. Uh, Ward uh, was unhappy. He didn't get hard, hold of uh, one of the penalties. Was it Vestergaard's penalty? Yeah. Um, he got two hands on it. But uh, what a save. Oh, save what well. a save. Not from the penalty. Yes, you saved the Final penalty. The that free kick save is, put it this way, I've seen two of the best saves from free kicks that I've ever seen in Ward's today and Schmeichel's for his country uh, yeah. recently yeah. was it against Wales against Gareth Bale yeah. weren't yeah. it uh, an amazing save which has obviously really won the game for Leicester he, he was the hero the best player on the pitch I thought I thought Nathan Redmond was a really good second half uh, you do remember back uh, I think it was a year or two ago when uh, Southampton played at Manchester City and at the end of the game uh, Pep Guardiola, Pep came, Guardiola on. came on yeah. put his arm around Redmond just say come on you, you've got all the talent in the world you know you're a better player than you've He's got a lot of talents, and you never know. Maybe he will turn into that kind of player. Maybe I don't. Know, I think he must be English, but get an England cap possibly. But uh, he was yeah. always targeted when he was at North City as well. He was always a great player then, and one of those ones that's got to step up to make the mark. And the way the team plays, though, it is all around him at that point. Hoiberg, their captain, Hoiberg, their captain, had a great game as well. He really kind of controlled from that back four across in as well. Yeah. It's, if I mean, end of the day, it was goalless, uh, and we're through, and we're playing Man City, and we'll be here again in a few weeks' time. Now, we've been in quarterfinals the last two games, or the last two cup competitions last year. We lost against Chelsea, lost against Man City, both in uh, quarterfinals, extra time, and then penalties, uh, obviously, against uh, Man City in extra time against Chelsea. Even a, second, even a second string Man City team is going to bring quality yeah. to it so we've gonna we're going to have to up our game again we're going to have to work hard I thought actually defensively uh, you mentioned in the commentary as well Sunchu had a really really good solid second half as well and really start to get some game time under his belt which is good to see 
Yeah, I was very impressed with Soyuncu. I thought second half especially, uh, he had a really good game. And uh, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We've got Watford on Saturday, and uh, we just thought we'd bring you a little bit. You can hear the excitement in the voices, really. You know, we're a bit over the top. I'm going to hand back to myself now to the studio, and I'll be all morose and downbeat again, just just as normal, really. But uh, okay. that's because he's tra- the Pete in the studio is training for the marathon, isn't he? So <laughs> oh, that's no. why. Oh, so no. with Pete training for a marathon back in the studio, he's going to be really grumpy. So oh. grumpy, Pete. Over to you. Yeah, cheers for that. <laughs> okay, so that's it from the King Power. I'm just about to push uh, Mark down the stairs and uh, I'm going to hand back to either myself or Rob. So that was Pete and friend of the podcast and uh, friend of everybody, Mark Perkins. Uh, immediate reaction after Leicester City progressed through to the quarterfinals of the League Cup. Uh, with that uh, penalty victory against Southampton. Uh, this is Rob Hayes in uh, for Fox Sake HQ2. Uh, Pete's down the other end of the line in for Fox Sake HQ1, slightly less excitable than he was last night. Recording this Wednesday evening for episode 101. We're still in the triple figures, building up to our next milestone, which is probably going to be at Christmas. Uh, good evening, Peter. Looking forward to a quarter final against uh, Manchester City. Uh, and a lot of importance has been, rightly or wrongly, put on a potential League Cup run for Leicester. Uh, do it for Vichai. A lot of the social media comments and some other um, mainstream media comments uh, immediately following the game and, and in today's papers as well. Uh, and it's a it's a cup, a cup that we've got a lot of tradition in as well. Do you do you think it's right to to put this kind of uh, magnitude on on a potential uh, league cup league cup victory is it something that we can actually I put in inverted commas do for Vichai? Uh, okay, that's a few questions there. First of all, um, hello, and um, I I think there's about four questions. I'm gonna go yes, no, yes, yes. Um, I'll, I'll then go back over them. Can we win it? Of course we can. And we've got a, a glorious history in the Cup. Uh, glorious in terms of we've done well um, in the immediate uh, recent history. Uh, you go back to Matt Elliott with the headers against Tranmere, Steve Claridge with a volley at, at Hillsborough against Middlesbrough. And then back um, in the, I want to say very late 60s actually, it might be early, so I think it's late 60s, in the uh, in the first time that we won the the league cup, I think it was early sixties, the second year that the league cup was in existence that we won it. We've got a good history in the cup. Of course, we want to go forward. Um, are we looking forward to a game against Manchester City? Uh, the answer is no. Obviously not. We knew we were playing them. We're in the quarterfinals of the league cup, and we've got a home clash. That has to be a positive for any football club, really. It doesn't matter if you're Manchester City or Macclesfield Town. You're in the quarterfinals of the League Cup at home. The fact that we played Man City last year in the quarterfinals at home and we got so close, obviously losing in the penalty shootouts um, to Man City, it, it, was, it was a bit of a, like a big dark clown that was circulating around the King Power last night against... Southampton and it was the the fact that Man City were the team you were going to play against obviously everyone wanted to go through to the next round and if we beat them we've got a, a great chance of maybe progressing I think it's 
Burton, Middlesbrough, for example, possibly one of those in the semi-final. Um, so you want to always progress, but the Man City game is going to be difficult, and obviously we'll preview that nearer the game. Um, as for you know, as for the display and the performance, you know, we heard from and excited uh, myself and and um, Mark Perkins. It's it's strange because, as all Leicester fans will know, when you're at the ground. Uh, or for those of those who who can get to the ground, obviously there's people listening around the world. Hello to them. But um, when you're at the ground, I'm not saying you talk load of nonsense immediately after the game, but there is the liability too. But you are very excited, so you could hear that. You know, our shoulders were by our ears. Basically, we were very excited. We've just won a, a penalty shootout at home in a in a very dull game for the best part of seventy minutes, and then in the final twenty, all sorts of things happened and. Um, there was a big flashback to the old school with Vardy and Okazaki up top with Gray one side and Albright in the other side. Um, you've got Simpson in behind at right back. It, it, it was it was a real kind of you know throwback to a Fuchs on the other side as well. So it was it was a bit of a, a a look of what happened you know a few years ago and I think the crowd sensed that as well. But we'll see what happens. It's um, it's a game that's coming up in a few games time. We've got a, a few important games in the Premier League uh, to come up before that, but uh, yeah, certainly you know a penalty shootout win in in a game that uh, was dull until the last ten minutes or twenty minutes. We'll take that and we'll take the quarterfinals. But um, well, Man City, Alan Mares and all that. We'll we'll see what happens closer to the time. Yeah, ultimately, um, when we're a team that is. Uh, struggling to put together a run of results and gather any real momentum over the course of a few weeks. Any kind of win is a good win and to win on a penalty shootout and progress in a knockout competition regardless of who your next opposition is or regardless of what stage of the competition is, is always good. Uh, Let's stay on the topic of Vichai for for the moment because today uh, the uh, Duke and Duchess of, of Cambridge were visitors to the to the King Power Stadium to pay their respects. Uh, obviously, Prince William is uh, heavily involved at the top end of the FA uh, and knew Vichai uh, personally, obviously through through his links with with football. Um, it was nice to have them in in Leicester, and not only at the at the at the King Power and near the crash site, etc., but also visiting some of the NHS buildings that Vichai helped to provide funding for the improvements of uh, and to meet the the Leicester players as well. It kind of, um, I, I don't want to, to say this in a disrespectful way because at no point um, are we drawing a line under it and, and moving on and, pre- and pretending it never happened. But it, it's kind of like almost a, a fine, the final stage of the, of the, uh, the grief and respect process, if you like. I think it'll be the until the unveiling of, of the impending statue of Vichai outside the King Power or wherever they decide to put it. I think until that point, today is the last time that this event will feature so prominently in the national news. So it was kind of, it was a nice, uh, again, I'll use the word dignified way to to wrap up that aspect of the shocking events that happened a few weeks ago. Yeah, it, it looked to have been done very well uh, through work commitments. I could have made my way down to the King Power or see what happened, but I've seen all the videos and uh, the news reports of what 
took place outside the king power and it it kind of played out how you would have you would think you know um the duke of uh, Cambridgeshire and obviously um and, and Kate Middleton Duchess of Cambridgeshire they they were there and um, and it was it was um it was how would you would see it really with in terms of senior first team players Wes Morgan the captain Cashworth Michael Jamie Vardy um Harry Maguire Ben Chilwell they were all there lined up Claude Powell um Rudkin was there as well as the chief execs and also Top and his family and it was very touching I mean you know it, it doesn't matter whether you're a royalist or not but they're, they're a very classy couple um when it comes to you know Prince William and Catherine they they really are and and they know how to go about protocol etc but it, it, it seemed that personal touch was there because of obviously the polo links um Prince William has these links to obviously with being a helicopter pilot himself uh, and obviously the incident that happened but also Prince Harry's played on the uh, the polo team before um, he wasn't there but th- there is a link there between the family and also the royals and it, it just seemed to be very well orchestrated which of course it was but it seemed to be very a, a, a human touch was there they they met a lot of the people and it was a good touch by the um by the football club by inviting a lot of the people who were helpers in moving all the tributes from behind the north stand to where they are now situated on the crash site inviting a lot of them back um to this um ceremony today to meet the royals i thought that was a very classy touch by the club one of a number of classy touches a word that i've used an awful lot to do with leicester since uh, what happened a few weeks ago um how it you know it, it goes from there obviously they went to all the um the charities and the universities involved and it seemed to be a well orchestrated day and um again it's just another one of, as you said there will be the statue in in time and uh, it's another one of those things that will happen and um and needs to happen and again he's done in great detail at the game just just going back to the game against um Southampton again the birch was out at half time I, I was in the the press area uh, before the game and there wasn't many there there was obviously a few from Southampton but it was kind of like a an old league match in the championship where it's predominantly Leicester based media people and then you've got the away people there's no um kind of like default media from the big newspapers or or outlets there because obviously there was a huge night of football you've got champions league you've got a lot of football league and the birch was around doing his thing he was he was in great form really good form and and it was almost like everyone knew there was almost like a bit of a release it was a bit of a kind of shoulders back we know what's happened over the last three weeks but Let's just ease off and, and and kind of enjoy yourselves. Have a have a bit of a laugh. He was doing the doobries. He was saying all the bits and bobs to everyone, having a bit of a giggle. And then, just before the game, he went out on the pitch as he likes to do, and again reminded the crowd that we are still in this kind of serious mourning kind of period where there's not a lot of music, there's not a lot of fun and games at half time. There was none, and you know this is still a thing that's happening so you know from a public out um kind of outreach of the football club they're still in that period of i'm not going to say transition or 
words that could be kind of turned around you know what i mean and 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 the listeners know what i mean but um it's still kind of being carefully orchestrated by the football club and uh and i think today's ceremony and and very relaxed as well with with the royals there as well it wasn't like it was incredibly um military kind of managed it was it looked to be very relaxed and uh kind of in and informal way which 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 is what i think obviously the royals would want as well but uh and um and yeah it's it's again it's just another another thing that um it brings the club into the national prominence and it will be on the national news and uh again a classy touch in terms of not being invited maybe too soon it was kind of the right moment as well and uh and top was at the game last night and uh, there was a very touching photo many people have seen the photo of obviously the game where we're playing against Burnley where Top looked to his left and there, there wasn't his dad, there wasn't the chairman in the seat and it was obviously snapped with a thousand lenses on Top throughout the game but there was a, a photo taken um, and there might be more released soon of Top with the Royals, only those two, uh, those three in the stadium itself and in that area, in the director's area and there's a few photos being taken and you can see the pitch you know, you can see where the helicopter took off from. You can see where uh, Comfy Chai used to sit. There's a, there's an awful lot of poignancy with these photos, and um, over the next few days, I think a lot will be um, released uh, very slowly. Kensington Palace have got a very good Twitter feed, who have released a lot of photos as well. So if you have Twitter, I'd advise you to go to that and uh, and take a look. And uh, yeah, it's it's another chapter in in the mourning process of the club. Yeah, I think so, and it's and it's an event that you, when first hearing about it, and then when you see it happening, and you and you take on board everybody else's views on it, as you as you can't really help but do so in this day and age. It's an event today, and the way that we, ha- as a club and a city, have dealt with everything that's happened over the last few weeks. It makes you proud to be a Leicester City supporter. It makes you proud to be from Leicester for very different reasons than than previous successes. Um, we've dealt with it in, a, in an extremely uh, dignified way, I think. And I, I saw an interview on the national news this evening with uh, with the Birch saying exactly the same thing. He said he's he's absolutely um, in awe of the way that everybody has carried themselves. It's not like one set of people have said right we need to pay our respects this way and everyone's going to follow us the the process has all been very natural obviously the club has had to lead elements of that uh, and and facilitate a lot of that but the 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 which, fan which they've which they've done in in perfect symmetry with the fans as well the likes of Susan Whelan uh, um uh, Rudkin, etc. The, the, the people in, in in charge have to have an awful lot of credit put their way. The way that they've um, mirrored the thoughts of the fans, the, the the fans' response, like the walk, for example, was a spontaneous response that gathered support and was beyond anyone's wildest dreams in terms of numbers. But the way that the club have produced things that the virtually what I've seen on social media and what I've seen talking to fans and at the ground especially has just been accepted as being a very classy response and the unanimous support of the of the crowd in pretty much every single thing that's happened since the situation and 
I know you could call it kind of like, you know, you're managing a situation, but it's very easy to do one or two things, not not wrong, but, you know, to maybe go over the top or... It's an awkward situation because there's an awful lot of media surrounding it. And because of that, there's a big spotlight on the club. It's a Premier League club. It's a big disaster. And not taken away from the human aspect. But I, I, I just think a lot of goodwill has come towards Leicester as a city, as a fan base, and also as a football club. Obviously on the back of what happened in 2016, but... Because of this, I think it's just reinforced all the stories that were surrounding the club two years ago. It's kind of backed them up in a way. And it's um, it's just produced a lot of goodwill. And I, I've always been proud of the club. I've always been proud of the city um, that I've lived in for... I'm, obviously, I'm a, I'm a county guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I, I've lived in the county rather than the city. I lived in the city for a number of years as a student, but... I've always been proud of the club. I've always been proud of the city, but never more so than right now. Yeah, it's an incredible feeling, really, isn't it? And especially when um, you can't help but compare us and as a club and as a as a fan base to to those around us in the Premier League. And you look at the disassociation between the fans and the hierarchy at pretty much every single club pretty much every single professional club going and the closeness of the links between the officials of Leicester City and the supporters of Leicester City they were always there everybody always knew that the relationship between us and them was closer and more um, respectful than the most in world football you've got to say but those have been really highlighted over the last couple of weeks because, as you say, everything has been done at exactly the right level. Nothing has been underplayed or underdone. Nothing has been overdone or overegged or dragged out or or anything like that. Everything has been absolutely perfect because it's come naturally, I think. It's the supporters, as you say, the, the walk um, the, uh, the the volunteers going down to move all of the tributes. All of that was genuine spontaneity of of the of the most heartfelt kind uh, and then it the club have had to make more informed decisions obviously um as you say with a big spotlight on them and they have pitched if that's the right word they've pitched every event or every um press release or every media event uh, including build-up to games, etc. They've pitched everything in exactly the right way and, and there's nothing that anybody could pick apart from the way that we've dealt with this uh, in a negative light whatsoever. Obviously, it, it, wholly, it is a completely negative event. It was it was extremely sad and, and continues to to obviously play on the minds of a lot of people. It's not going to go away that, that quickly, but... In terms of the reaction, the reaction has been positive and I think it will breed more positivity around the club going forward. The, the, the one thing I'll say, though, is, is to move it on to a football... Again, we, you know, we're going to move it on to football, but um, the negativity surrounding the manager, obviously the results since we got the win at Cardiff, the draw at home against Burnley, which Leicester were obviously dominant four and then we drew away at Brighton now the Brighton result 
you look at a, a 1-1 draw away at Brighton, you think, well, should we have won? But you're down to 10 men after, what, 20-odd minutes, and then one of your midfielders goes off injured who wasn't playing well, but was he injured? And it doesn't matter, you still got only got two substitutions since that, and you get a point um, through your top goal scorer and your main man scoring a penalty. It's 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 a strange game, really, at Brighton. Um I think overall it's a good point. I think everyone will put down it's a good point. doesn't matter whether you're Manchester City or Leicester City. If you're down to 10 men so early on against Brighton at, you know, at Brighton, at the Amex, still a point is going to be a decent point. Um, we better mention the sending off straight away. Um, obviously, a dive for the second of the two yellow cards. Um Madison has been praised in many quarters, and rightly so, for his performances at the start of this season. It's a big jump in football. I, I will literally, I will say right now, it's a huge jump from him to be put from a championship side then to a Premier League side where he's basically been given the number 10 shirts and you are the main um, creator of chances. A lot of people who listen to the podcast will know um, that I've not had my reservations around Madison, but I've not gone over the top with the praise. And I think this is just a learning curve. I'm not going to stand here and say the guy should be um, castigated for what happened or he should be dropped, etc. No, not at all. But it's just another learning curve. This has not been given to him by a Leicester coach. It's not been drilled into him by a Leicester at all. It's something that's in the modern game and is wrong and he's got rightfully punished for it. And will probably be tarnished by it by his name for two or three years. But a point well earned, I'd say, in the circumstances. Yeah, I think you know when you when you see that somebody's got a, a second yellow card for diving um, as a uh, as a centre half in grassroots football. There's, I don't think I'm. I think I'm amongst the group that is most strongly against diving in football. Um, Exactly that one, yeah. The grassroots defenders union of all of all unions, um, and especially as the fact that it's from a Leicester City player, it's not the kind of honesty that we expect from a player or from a group of players. But I think, do you know what? I am and 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 of the people I've spoken to have had mixed feelings about this. But James Madison posted um, an apology on on Instagram saying apologies to everyone for what happened today. Nobody wants to see diving in our beautiful game. I was anticipating contact that never came, but that's no excuse. It's a mistake and I will learn from it. Now, what he said there, he's he's been exceptionally honest. He's not tried to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. He's not said, oh, I tripped or anything like that. He has openly admitted to going down because he thought there was some contact coming. Now, if you're talking about the game at the very highest level uh, and the win-it-all-costs mentality, then, yeah, and, and I mean, if he'd have got that little bit of contact as he was on his way down, we'd have been up in arms wanting a penalty. The likelihood is, because of the speed of the game, it probably would have been given because it's very difficult for officials to make those kind of calls. Hence, players like Madison, uh, those forward players who get themselves into situations in the penalty area where they're... Um, beating players, twisting and turning, changing direction, those players feel 
that 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 is a possibility for them to earn them their team an advantage. You can call it cheating, you can call it gamesmanship, you can call it what you like, and I personally don't agree with it. But I can see why some elite sports people would go to those lengths because the margins are so fine at the top level. What I will say is. I think it's extremely brave of him to come out on social media because he could have been really um, lambasted for that and not have spoken out. I think he realised that that the social media outcry would have come regardless of whether he posted anything or not. But he put himself there to be shot at with that statement. Um, And it's very honest. And as you were just alluding to there, Pete, he's a young player playing at a higher level than he was before. Um, and in in the sort of heightened uh, emotional state that you, I can imagine that you would get in playing an elite sport. Don't get me wrong; I've never been there. I've but no, nowhere near good enough at anything. No, don't, but, don't don't fight yourself. Of course, of course, you have. No, I haven't. <laughs> but it's uh, but the fact that the line that it said it's it's a mistake. It's a mistake, and I will learn from it. I think is is the key sentence to take from that apology and that links in exactly with where you think he is as a footballer at the moment it's not necessarily a mistake it's in a misplaced pass but it is a mistake it's a personal mistake Uh, he will learn from it um, and I think we can all move on and just hope that he doesn't do it again or if he does do it do it slightly less obviously so we actually get a penalty yeah exactly I mean I I agree with everything you said and uh, you know as as a former Leicester City uh, you know, trialist goalkeeper. I can think I can speak from experience at the highest level of the game. Where you know, if if it happened to me, I might have gone over this and the other. But it's uh, it's it, it's quite something to say on social media. I I, I don't think I've seen. And again, we're talking from a Leicester point of view. I can't remember a a, a player doing that on social media so quickly, saying, "Look, I anticipated contact. It wasn't there, and I went over. And unfortunately, I got." Yellow carded, unfortunately, probably is not the right word. You know, it should have happened and he got sent off. There you go. But, you know, these things happen. You know, he's not the first player that's going to dive for Leicester. He's not the first player that's going to dive against Leicester. Um, He'll learn from it, I'm pretty sure. Like I said, I think he'll be lambasted by fans, the away fans, for, you know, a number of weeks. But um, but there we go. We've got the points and now we look forward to Watford on Saturday. I understand, Rob, that you've been talking to a few fans of the Glory Hornet boys. Well, yeah, I went. Um, so we've been in contact a little bit on Twitter recently with a, a chap called Andy Lewis, who is a Watford supporter. But he's also in the process, along alongside a few other fans, of setting up a podcast that is focusing purely on all of the Premier League teams outside of the big top six, which I think is a good idea because, you know, the spotlight is, isn't is so often on the, the other teams in there. It's so much is made about the top six being um, the, the sort of pinnacle of the Premier League, and they are, but they're not the only teams in the Premier League. So um, it's very much work in progress, that podcast, but... Um, Pete, you and I have, have said that we will will contribute wherever they deem our contributions to be necessary. Um, and obviously, as soon as that podcast gets off the ground, we will let you know via our social media channels. But Andy is also um, a regular contributor to uh, Love Sport Radio, who had a Watford preview on Sunday evening. You'll have seen that we were tweeting a little, a little bit about it from our, uh, from our account as well. And I went on and talked a little bit about uh, how I think Leicester are doing so far this season. It just so happened that uh, Andy's co-host, 
that evening. Jake uh, is a Leicester fan, so on a Watford preview show, Andy was outnumbered two to one uh, Leicester fans to Watford fans, which I found quite enjoyable and amusing. But anyway, before uh, Pete, you and I, before we look forward to the Watford game at the weekend and what is a proper, proper mid-table clash, uh, I actually caught up with Andy this week about how he sees the game going on Saturday uh, and what we need to look out for for Watford. Andy, thanks for joining us. Just first of all, uh, I want to get your thoughts on Leicester City and the season that you have seen them have so far. It's an interesting one because I, I think of Leicester, I look at Leicester and I see a team and a club that should be challenging for that seventh spot for a place in the Europa League. However, looking back at the results, yes, you're you're 10th in the league, you're just one spot below us. We've kind of gone about our mid-table uh, obscurity in different ways. Watford obviously had a fantastic start to the season and have sort of tailed off a bit, whereas Leicester, has, there's no not been any sort of real consistency uh, to your results. You'll win two, you'll lose two. And I was very surprised, actually, when you asked me this question, I went back, had a look at previous scores, how you've been doing at the King Power. It's been interesting to see that you've actually only won two games at the King Power Stadium against obviously Wolves and Huddersfield and I wouldn't have expected that at all uh, from a team like Leicester you know you've obviously got a lot of quality in that squad still after uh, obviously after that title winning season um, but I wouldn't wouldn't have expected A for you guys to be to be in 10th and B to have uh, or rather to be so poor at home um, which has actually given me a lot of confidence ahead of uh, Watford's visit uh, at the weekend and just having a flick back through your results as well I've noticed uh, a lot of a lot of red cards which caused me to uh, to go on to the uh, the FA's fair play table and in fact Leicester currently have the the worst disciplinary records uh, of any club in the league so far this season um, which again I wouldn't expect so I'm not sure how you guys see it uh, as supporters I'm, I've never had Leicester down as uh, as a scrappy side, an ill-disciplined side. Um, so that's that's quite interesting to see. Um, so hopefully, you know, from my point of view, you'll maybe go down to 10 men again on, on Saturday and give Watford a, a bit of an advantage. But looking back at looking back at the form, um, it's safe to say that perhaps you're, uh, you're due a win. Uh, you've not lost in the last three games. Um, you're due a win at the King Power, I think. And Watford just have that capability to uh, not kickstart a team season, but just get them a win when they need it. Obviously, we were at St. James's Parker a few games ago. Newcastle, without a win all season, uh, managed to, to carve out a 1-0 uh, win against us there uh, at Southampton the game after. Obviously, Southampton hadn't even scored at home and we allowed them to find the back of our net. So... It's going to be an interesting one, a matchup of, of two inconsistent teams, and it could, it honestly could go either way. I think. Starting to look ahead towards the weekend's game, then what, um, what as a Watford fan, what threats would you say that your team would bring to the King Power Stadium? What qualities do you have? Who should we look out for? Uh, who should we be wary of on Saturday? I think Watford have actually got uh, got a good mix, uh, got a good mix of, of options uh, coming into Saturday. The thing I like about Watford this season is I find we're a really balanced side. And what I mean by that is we had uh, a lot of the squad that we've got currently were in the squad last season. You might think back and, you know, Watford ended last season terribly. You know, we were we were awful. But the fact we've had that consistency throughout the summer, Javi Gracia has been allowed uh, a pre-season. He's been allowed a transfer window. He's been able to put his mark on this squad and the improvement from the back end of last season to this is, uh, well, you just you just can't tell the difference. And 
you know, I think as Watford fans, we're delighted that Javi's um, been given a contract extension as well off the back of this excellent start. But I think the mid uh, the midfield is our strongest area. Uh, you're going to see Decore and Capu in the middle of the park. They work fantastically together. If Capu's on song, then I think Watford will boss that midfield. Uh, the defence stayed pretty similar throughout the season. Uh, I think we've got good choices now at left back. Uh, Jose Holabas, if he if he does play, I don't think he will because I think he might still have an injury. If he does play, he's guaranteed a yellow card. But then we've got to back up a new signing, Adam Messina. Uh, and then up front, I think we've got options. Obviously, we, uh, Bobby Pereira is on song this season, our top goal scorer. And Gerard Delefeu playing on the right-hand side. He's able to cut in onto that wicked left foot of his and create a bit of magic coming from Barcelona. Um, you might have seen him when he... Uh, when he played at Everton a couple of seasons ago. He's really a fantastic player and really one of our key signings over the summer. But also we can uh, we can shift up the formation. Um, so at the start of the season, we've been playing 4-4-2 with Dini and Gray up top. And obviously they started the season really well. Um, it's Goals-wise, it's not worked out quite how we anticipated. But that being said, we shifted to a 4-5-1 uh, formation uh, against Wolves and Huddersfield, and we won both those games. With those, what I like about it is that we get uh, Will Hughes coming a little bit more centrally, uh, and we had Isaac success up front by himself. Um, and what we could do, we could just attack down the wings and almost make it like a 4-3-3 when we go forward on a 4-5-1 in defence. So I think... This Watford squad is balanced. I think we can adapt throughout the game. And I think we've got options off the bench as well. Obviously, uh, you'll obviously remember Nathaniel Chalabar's rocket against Leicester back in 2013 uh, when we were both chasing chasing promotion um, from the championship. So he can come on. He can uh, he can work his magic if perhaps the midfield duo of Capu and Decore isn't quite working as planned. Um, and we've got other options on the bench, such as uh, Domingos Quina is a, a really, really... Um, Highly spoken of youngster, a really talented guy. He scored a fantastic goal against Reading in the Carabao Cup earlier this season. Um, he's he's one to look out for in the future. Whether we'll see him on Saturday, I'm not sure. But at least Watford had that depth on the bench to bring on just in case. Finally, then, we know that there are two evenly matched teams in the in the table at the moment, um, albeit with slightly contrasting uh, uh, methods of getting there in the first place. How do you reckon the game is going to play out on Saturday? What kind of a game are you expecting? Uh, and if I could push you for a score prediction as well, that'd be excellent. It's a tough one. Uh, like I said, it's two pretty inconsistent sides coming up against each other in what is officially a mid-table clash with 10th versus 9th. Uh, but I think if Watford can start on the front foot, have a good first 20 minutes, keep Leicester at bay, then with that poor home record, I think the home fans may start to get a little bit nervous, a little bit agitated, which is exactly what we want. But then again, obviously, Leicester have the threat of Jamie Vardy up front. Uh, I think his his pace will be vital. Uh, Watford's backline isn't isn't necessarily renowned for our pace. You know, we kept Liverpool at bay for just over an hour on uh, on Saturday, which was which was good, but. If Vardy breaks through, I don't see any Watford defender being able to keep up to keep up with him. Um, so don't be surprised if we play maybe uh, quite a quite a deep line just to try and combat that. But then I think I think both teams will score. I think both teams are fairly fairly leaky at times. Um, it'll be an interesting matchup in your defence, Watford's attack. I think. Dini will start just for the physicality aspect against the likes of Morgan and Maguire. So that's going to be a really interesting battle to watch as well. Uh, but Saturday is, in fact, my birthday on the day of the game. 
And so Watford are going to reward me uh, the perfect present. Three points. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Watford win. Come on, you horns. So he thinks that's a uh, a Watford win at the weekend, which is a, a brave call for a team visiting the King Power, or is it? Because obviously Leicester have not been starting well, and he, he mentioned the fact that obviously, you know, if Watford start well, then if they get a goal in front, then, you know, they will be dangerous. I think he's obviously done his homework on Leicester, knowing that, you know, we haven't got the greatest record at the moment in the first, say, 45. Um the one thing I'd say, and, and uh, we we talk about this on a on a on a podcast basis. What are we one hundred and one now, room one hundred and one, and it revolves around how do you move this team from tenth to seventh? And I've now firmly come down on the basis of after the last few games as well, the likes of Diabate, the likes of Gazelle in my opinion, are not good enough really for those berths behind a forward because that's the formation we're going to play. If we're going to go along this, with this formation, then that's the three players behind the frontman Vardy. They are the three that are given the most realm, the most prominence. It's really promoting them in terms of a lineup, in my eyes. And for me, the only way really is to, is, is to recall Barnes. And in the terms of recall Harvey Barnes from West Brom and play him. Barnes, Madison and Gray, the three English lads behind Vardy with obviously Chilwell on one side, Riccardi the other side and the two sitting midfielders and Maguire at the back at L. It's, for me, if you're going to go with the youth, go with it. Go with the three young players, the three young English players behind Jamie Vardy and say, do your stuff. Chop and change. Maybe play a little bit more narrow than you have been because the number 10 player, mainly Madison, has been kind of really exposed. He hasn't had anyone within at least 10 yards of him at some points when he's been on the edge of the penalty area of the opposition. So bring them maybe a bit narrow, having the two fullbacks bombing on beyond the two so-called wingers. And, and I think that would suit someone like Barnes, and I think it would suit someone like Gray to say, look, you know, when you get the ball, you have the ability then to drive at the play. You don't have to go out wide and get the cross in. You can then roam around and, and do your own thing and chop and change. You know, again, three young lads. And Watford are a, a strange team. They've they're, they're performed very well at the start of the season. They've then kind of regressed. I've got a lot of uh, friends who are actually Watford fans when it, when it comes to my... Uh, my, my kind of day job and they can turn up at anyone and beat them they say but sometimes they look shocking they've got one or two uh, really decent players we know the forward line say Gray and, and we know big Troy Deeney who's been linked in the past he, he, he won't join Leicester now but he was linked big money at one point and uh, it's 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 an even game really you know you won't be surprised if Watford come and do a number on Leicester and I won't be surprised if Leicester go and run out 2 or 3 nil win uh, winners on Saturday Um I, I just, for me, um, Leicester are still trying to find out their team. They're producing a lot of youngsters. They're putting them in the team. Claude Puel hasn't, he has got, to be honest, I don't think he's got no idea when it comes to his actual starting eleven. He's playing players and then there was a, a few very telling substitutes uh, the other day against Southampton. Uh, for his silver came off. 
disconsolate. Obviously, Iniacho is not performed for him, and again, he wasn't happy that he substituted. Um, it would have been a definite penalty taker, for example, and it's not quite working for the likes of them. So for me, if you're going to go with the youth, go with it and and then bring back someone like Barnes. People say he's going to play, play him, play him in one of them three places. He has no idea who's in those three. Madison generally has the number ten either side of him. No one knows. Week in, week out, it changes. Um, Okazaki's played recently. Obviously, Madison's been out suspended. But for me, if those places are still up for grabs, and if you've got a player ripping up for the championship, bring him back. The one analogy I made with Barnes, if Barnes was not a Leicester player, then we would sign him at the end of the season. He's doing exactly what Madison did last season, exactly the same. And we would spend 20 to £25 million on him in the summer and then we'll play him as a number 10 or as one of those three behind the front man. So for me, there's no reason why we can't bring him back in January and say, there you go, there's one of those three berths behind Vardy. Play, play and do your stuff. Do what you've done. You've grown up very rapidly in the six months or so you've been at West Brom, just like Madison did at Norwich last year. Go and do your stuff. You're playing alongside your mate Madison. You know him from youth level at England. You know Damari Gray from your time at Leicester. You're playing behind Jamie Vardy, who everyone knows. You've got players behind who you know. Go and do your stuff. That's what I would do. Yeah, I don't think, um, and I'm not suggesting that you're saying this, I don't think Harvey Barnes is the answer to helping us climb three places in the Premier League. And I know that's not the point you were making, but I agree in terms of the fact that although we made nine changes for the League Cup tie against Southampton last night and people saying, look at that squad on paper, yeah, haven't we got great strength in depth? Um Fraseni Diabate is flattered to deceive. Adrian Silva is not a Premier League footballer. He might well be able to play in all of the other elite leagues in Europe. That's absolutely fine. He's obviously a Portuguese international and a very cultured player, but not in the Premier League. Um, Ibora, the the sort of half question marks over whether it was injury or poor performance for him. He is not trusted clearly in that central midfield role. And again, much more effective in Spanish football at, at a slower tempo than this. And... So you look at the Leicester players on paper and yes, we've got an excellent squad, but I think we're starting to find out that when Puel tinkers and when he, well, when he obviously every single game changes the lineup, I think we've used, we've had the third most amount of lineup changes in the Premier League this season. And that speaks volumes when we were at the very bottom of that list when we won the Premier League. I'm not harking back to that era. I'm just saying continuity does have its merits. Um, the players that he's chopping and changing in, whether they're getting in the team because they've been doing well in training, whether they're getting in the team because he wants to keep some of the other players fresh, or whether he genuinely thinks that that is the best eleven to beat that particular team and that there is no set eleven that can play well against everybody, I don't know. But you've got to look at Diabate, not, not good enough. Gazal, not good enough. Silva, not good enough. Ibora, not good enough. Albrighton, in this system, not good enough. Because he can put a ball in the box, no question, but who to? Um, it, that doesn't work in this style of football. Uh, and all of a sudden, you're actually you're looking at the defence and thinking, you know what? 
it's not really where we need to be looking at in terms of bodies at the moment because although we lost Amati, who was becoming first choice right back, Pereira will will do fine there, and Simpson is a very able deputy. Um, Soyuncu really impressed me uh, yesterday evening. I think he's a walking yellow card the way he likes to get stuck in, but he looks like a very confident young man. Evans, Evans he, he, is a stopgap, and it's fine. He is. Well, sorry, sorry, yeah, go on. Sorry to interrupt you, like, but, but but like Soyuncu, just to, I didn't really mention him. A tremendous performance, really was. I, I watched him closely during the whole game. Very very good, very classy. Yes, he you know he likes to get in there, but he was excellent in terms of decision making. Mark Perkins, co-commentator at the King Power at the time, mentioned a few times where the ball bounced in the penalty area, especially off the save from Danny Ward, the amazing save onto the crossbar. Um, it came to Soyuncu who passed it out for a corner. People will look at that and go, okay, he just passed it out at the six-yard box for a corner, but. Sometimes he will do that basic thing that sometimes supporters, or most of the time maybe, supporters will say should be done. He will just kick it into row Z. He will do the the simple thing first. But also he has that skill to do the awkward stuff that maybe sometimes gets players into trouble. Maguire does it. Players have done it throughout the past. But he looked very, very good. Alongside Evans, who I must say over the last few weeks has really turned into the, the Johnny Evans we knew, the safe and secure player who can just drop in at any moment. He doesn't play for a couple of weeks, but then comes in, not a problem. So all these things about, say, Morgan at the back and you know who's playing centre-half, doesn't matter. For me, it's about going forward. Who is the players? Who are the players who are going to play behind Vardy or play behind the forward man? I know we had that record before Burnley where we had scored in every single Premier League game which no other Premier League club had done since then, uh, since the start of the season. But it doesn't matter. For me, it's all about scoring the goals. The defence for Leicester, it sorts itself out. It's about going forward. Yeah, and at no point really this season have we looked like capitalising on any good spells of pressure. You see Leicester had good spells of, of possession against many teams this season, and you've thought, right, go and stick a couple in the back of the net, get yourselves on top on the scoreline as well as uh, in terms of the gameplay, and then and then you cruise it. But at no point have we managed to do that. Yes, we we had the the, the that record of, of scoring in uh, in every game, but one here, one there a lot of a, a lot of consolation or second half goals we need to get in get on top and uh, and in the game as well as in the scoreline and 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 that's what we're not doing at the moment we're not capitalizing on the possession and we're not being incisive enough in the final third harvey barnes right on top of the world at the minute is having the best season of his professional career so far of course he's he's only a youngster bring him back say look harvey you've come through our academy you've had a brilliant first half of the season for West Brom. We're going to start you. We're going to back you. I'm Claude Puel. I back the youth players. You, Madison and Gray, behind Vardy. Fantastic. Go for it. Give them a few games as well. Do you know what I mean? Don't just say, right, all right, Harvey, you were a little bit quiet in the last half an hour in that game, so I'm going to bench you for the next one and chuck Gazal on, only to realise that probably five minutes into the game that Gazal starts that he shouldn't be starting a game um it's an interesting one now because we're talking about this Harvey Barnes would be a good way to introduce a bit of fresh imp- impetus into that front three but 
when you actually now go through our squad and consider the effects that they can have on a Premier League football match, all of a sudden it doesn't look quite as good as we thought it did. Or, or, or from my point of view, it doesn't look quite as good as I thought it did. Because if I'm looking at the squad on paper, I'm going, oh yeah, look at that, we've got 25 really good players there. If I'm looking at the squad in terms of their ability on a Premier League football pitch, Silva doesn't come into my mind. Ibora doesn't come into my mind. Gazal, Diabate don't come into my mind. Even Okazaki, to a, to a lesser extent, he started as the main striker for Leicester against Brighton with Vardy and Iheanacho on the bench. That, for me, is one of the most ludicrous decisions that, uh, that Claude Puel has made as manager of this football club. Shinji Okazaki cannot lead a Premier League front line, period, right? So, where does Puel go from now? Because he's got to... He's got to find the right players to come in. We talked a couple of weeks ago about maybe bringing Slomani back as a different option, but he is flopping on his loan spell at the minute. And he's flopped every uh, more often than not in a Leicester shirt as well. Um, this sounds very ranty, by the way. It didn't mean to, to be this ranty because I'm absolutely fine with 10th place. I'm fine with a boring mid-table season uh, and keep building and blooding through the youth. But... We need to find a way of getting rid of some of this. I don't want to call them dead wood because some of them are very good players, but they're just not quite the right fit either for Leicester City or the Premier League or Claude Puel's philosophy or maybe all three. Well, I, I agree. And, and, and unfortunately, when it comes to signing players, you know, we've had a history of signing players for young, uh, for, for small money. And then obviously they've, they've developed onto tremendous players. So I don't want to write anyone off early, but the likes of Gazelle who we praised early on, but I just don't think he's got the pace and maybe the inner belief to be a Premier League player and a top-half Premier League player. Um, Diabate, again, was given all the praise in the world. We played, what was it, Peterborough in the FA Cup? And he looked a world-beater, but we're playing Peterborough. And he's he can do a... He's, he's probably one of the best step-overs of the ball that I've seen. But that's all he's got. He's got no real finish. He's He's got no power in his shot. He's not really got a pass in him. He's a decent player, but again, we're talking 10th to 7th or 10th to 6th in the league. That's where we're trying to move. So those two players alone cost Leicester, at the moment, you'd probably say around 6 to 7, 6 million pounds. It's it's nothing really for, for Leicester. Um, the likes of Somali and that, unfortunately, they've gone. I still think in the, in, in the time that we played a 4-4-2, which we did against Southampton in some parts of the game... Uh, it, Slomani would have been very good alongside Vardy with obviously the balls coming in from Albrighton etc I still think he would have been a, a very good centre forward for Leicester City but it's not worked out and there's got to be a line drawn underneath these players um, we've been I, I've been told in some places that you're a bit of a, a, a pule apologist Absolutely not in the slightest. Will I will criti uh, criticise him as much as the next man just because I'm not shouting from the rooftop saying sack the manager when you're 10th in the league and taking into account what's happened obviously at the football club in the last, in the last month or so. I think that Leicester should definitely not sack the manager. I think that the manager at the moment is keeping a mid-table Premier League club in mid-table with a view to going forward. He's promoting youth. He's done a lot of good in terms of the style of play, in terms of, again, promoting players like 
Chilwell, who I know we've got Christian Fuchs, who a lot of people have got a lot of affection to, who played well in the game in midweek, and he's a very good left-back, and in many cases will be better at Chilwell in certain situations, like high balls and like in defensive points and maybe dead ball situations. But Ben Chilwell is now the first choice left-back for the national team, and he's progressing in my eyes with every month that goes by of his football career. He really is progressing. And not just that, he really has promoted the youth. On the flip side, I completely agree with you. The nonsensical selection of Okazaki, who I mentioned should play behind Vardy at the weekend, of course he should. If the opportunity to play Okazaki in the number 10 is there, play him. If Madison can't play through suspension or injury, then Okazaki is the person who should be playing as the number 10, with two players either side him and Vardy in front of him. In my eyes, that's what should happen. But uh, Okazaki should no way should play as a number 9. There's no way why he should play in front of someone like um, Iniacho in that number 9 main central role. That I, I thought it was a very bizarre situation. Then you play Vardy from the starting midweek against Southampton. Is that um, Claude Puel looking at the situation going, we're going to play half a team against Brighton, half a team against Southampton? Maybe so, but still, you'd still play Iniacho as a number nine, it it, it it reeked of, really for me, he still doesn't know his first team from the back line to the midfield is fine. And then those three players and the centre forward, he doesn't know what the best situation at Leicester is. He doesn't know who fits where. And that's why I would bring back someone like Barnes, I'd bring him back and play him because if the manager doesn't know, he's chopping and changing left front centre, there's an opportunity for someone to stake a claim. So why not play someone who's in form? I agree. Let's finish off by having a quick look at the the game of the weekend against Watford. Mid-table, uh, they've got some players that could do a bit of damage. Deeney could, uh, could rough up um, Evans and Morgan, who are likely to be the, the starting centre-back pair if, if chosen to play up front. Pereira's looked... To, on form, I think Ndidi and Mendy, should they be the two that start in midfield for Leicester at the weekend, will have their work cut out against Decore and Capu. I think they're two very accomplished central midfielders uh, for different reasons. Decore, in terms of his physicality, Capu, in terms of his his finesse, a former Tottenham player, let's not forget. Um, I just want us to take a game by the scruff of the neck and go, here we are, we're a, a talented, attacking, young side, we're at home, we want to make uh, so have some bragging rights in the in the middle of the Premier League and put a bit of daylight between the two clubs. We're going to go and put two or three past you, boss the game on the pitch, boss the game on those ridiculously large screens behind both the goals, uh, and come out with a three points that people can feel satisfied with, because... I don't think there's a point at which in this season yet where, where people have walked away from a Leicester win and gone and, and not had a butt at the end. I'd love us to just go and go, right, here we are. We're turning up today. We're going to play our stuff. We're going to score plenty. And we are going to show that we can start thinking about looking a little bit further up the table. Because at the moment, we've got absolutely no right to be anywhere other than where we are because it's a fair reflection of how we've played this season. And if we don't, find those extra next steps we are going to finish ninth or 10th go out beat a team that are definitely going to be right near us this season I can't see Watford tailing uh tailing off and I can't see them climbing much higher so I think we are in a direct battle 
between now and May for league position with them. Go and make a statement. Go express yourselves and most importantly, score some goals. I agree. Start well. Go on the front foot. Take the game to the opposition. Who knows what happens in, in the whole 90 minutes, but at least you can start well in the game. We know they've got fight. We know they're playing for the manager. We know they're playing for each other. They've got results, but the one thing that Leicester need to be careful of is look at the fixture list. We've got a very difficult uh, December in terms of halfway through December and the early start of January. There's a lot of games against some big clubs. If Leicester don't pick up three points at the weekend or start picking up three points in the next two or three games, then those draws and those constant points picked up here and there and keeping 10th in the league will turn to 15th in the league and 14th. I'm not saying we're going to get dragged into a relegation zone, but they need to be careful because they've got a difficult run coming up and one defeat turns into three, into four, and then obviously the confidence goes and a few serious problems turn up. At the moment where we're sitting right now, everything's okay. A nice three points of the weekend will be fine, but you're playing against a very dangerous Watford side. You can't take them for granted at all. What happens... I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. 2-1 to Leicester. It's going to be a difficult game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. And I think uh, just the magic here and there might come into it. And Leicester just to grab it by two goals to one. And I think in terms of performance, we all want to see Leicester go from the front, get an early start, get a goal early. That will be great. And an improved performance. But as I just said, against the teams that we've got coming up in the next, say, six weeks or so, for me, as much as we got through in the League Cup on Tuesday night, and that was the main thing, a lot of people are unhappy with the display. For me, at the weekend, it's all about the points. I don't know. I don't care how they come, as long as we get three. If we play poorly and grab three points, I'll take that right now because we've got. Bigger fish to fry in the next six weeks or so. And three points right now, for me, is vitally important. Yeah, I'd agree. However, my predictions normally are fairly boring. Uh, and when I went on to Love Sport Radio on Sunday evening, they asked me for a prediction and I said 1-1. Um, and normally I predict a 2-1 win for Leicester because I'm an eternal optimist, but I also don't back us to win by more than a goal and I don't back us to keep a clean sheet. But you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, uh, but not bet because you'll absolutely fleece me, Pete the bookie. But I've said I want us to come out, take the game by the scruff of the neck, score a shed load of goals. So I'm going to go right out there and go Leicester 3, Watford 0. <laughs> Lovely old job. 3-0. <laughs> Easy money. I, I, I'm going to go for 2-1, but... A Leicester victory, why not? You got to go for three points. And again, I don't care how they come, as long as we get the three points, and then we can we can go on from then, and uh, and then we'll see see what happens next week. And and of course, we'll be back next week uh, with the full roundup of what happens and a future look to future games. Obviously, this is episode one hundred and one. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the first one hundred episodes, and you can find us on Twitter at ffspod. That's obviously for Fox Eight Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in for Fox Sake Podcast. Email us for Fox Sake for Fox Sake Podcast at gmail.com. Put my teeth in. And uh, and again, get in contact with us for uh, whatever you want, any questions you want answered, anything to do with what we do at the King Power or how we started the podcast. Obviously, once a you know, hundred and one now, we've been doing it a while. 
And if you want to know anything, just uh, send us a line. You know, if you want to change the format of the podcast, if you want to hear more from the King Power, if you want to hear more from just outside the ground after the game, or maybe you want to hear none of that. Maybe you just want me and Rob to be talking nonsense as we normally do. Then uh, again, just get in contact in any way, shape, or form, or maybe just a thumbs up. Every now and again, a thumbs up does help, and uh, and then we can carry on with what we do. So we'll be back after the Watford game, where obviously we're going to win three 0 and we'll all be drinking with Rob's money.